Welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, having a very fascinating chat with someone who wrote an excellent article on Mac Jones's issues with the Patriots last year. And I think there's a lot to apply here, not just to Mac Jones and the Patriots, but also bad offenses around the NFL what coaches are thinking as they're planning out uh, sort of an offensive scheme, an offensive archetype for an entire season, and really happy to have a first-time guest here on the show. It is the writer of the Read Optional newsletter. It's Ali Connolly. Ali, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic. And I'm honestly a little mad at you because... <laughs> You wrote this, and I was like, man, this is really, I'm like, I, I got that jealousy of like, man, that was really good. I wish I'd written, some, I'd written something as good as this, because it's really such a comprehensive look at the Patriots. And I was just telling you, like, it's one of those pieces where you read it, and you read something, read a paragraph, and you're like, oh, that was really interesting. You have a follow-up question, and then you answer the follow-up question in the next paragraph. It read my mind, I felt like, as I was going through it in terms of not only uh, sort of understanding what was happening, but also maybe the explanations or the causes or getting more into the details. So really, really love the piece. Oh, thank you for that. that that's a kind of way that my editors, you say, is this too meandering? <laughs> do you need 5,000 words on deep breaking options? And I say, yes, we do, damn it. And I go back to the to my dungeon. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, no, no editor is going to be allowed to uh, cut down word counts here on the Bill Barnwell show as many words as possible and and I, I really feel like this is such an interesting piece because it applies to the Patriots but it also applies to I think bad offenses I think a lot of fans will watch their offense when it's struggling or maybe feel like their offense is not necessarily fit to the strengths of their players and wonder why and I think you know reading this I really got a lot of insight into not just what went wrong for the Patriots last year but also how Bill O'Brien, the new offensive coordinator, might choose to fix it based on his history. And I think there's a lot to get to here. So let, let's start with the very beginning. Let's start with the sort of first key decision that you get to the Patriots hit last year, which was the move from uh, gap run concepts to more zone run concepts in the Patriots offense. So how did that go for New England? Terribly. Right, it went from having this not you know unique style, but a pretty defined identity, as coaches love to say. Right, where we're gonna mm -hmm. run a ton of gap concepts, we're gonna pull a move lineman, and Bill Belichick, the oracle of everything that's good, right? Everything that's good in pro football comes from this man's brain, and he decides I want to get onto the wide zone train, and I want to be a wide zone then boot offense moving forward with a quarterback who's never done that in his entire history and is pretty ill-suited to that, frankly, mm -hmm. um, and does so not only that, but at a time when the league en masse defensively has shifted to, we are building our whole infrastructure to stop this thing. And at a time mm -hmm. when the guys he's trying to replicate, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, all those guys, have themselves kind of said, well, this may have run its course slightly, let us adapt. And so for him mm -hmm. to jump onto the train so late and then to do so, as I detail in the piece, it's as much about the specifics and the techniques being coached, how they layered the offense, how they sequence things, with two guys who have never done this in their careers, with a special teams coach as the quarterback coach, with a defensive guru as the offensive coordinator. And if you run through what they ran, this is something I've been saying throughout talking about this piece, is if you just laid everything down, they have all the best practice stuff, right? You, if you just pulled out the game plan, pulled out the playbook, it would not look that dissimilar from one of Kyle Shanahan's. And you would say that's all the correct stuff, but the details that go into calling the plays, sequencing the plays, teaching the concepts were just completely missing and then tied to a quarterback who was so ill-prepared and ill-suited for that style. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you go through the numbers here. They average 3.3 yards per carry on wide zone concepts, uh, a 52.4% rate of getting hit at the line, which speaks to, I think, you know, the the, the sort of the nuances, the, the ability for the offensive lineman to work in tandem, the running back cutting at the right time, you know, sort of hitting your hitting your targets, hitting your mechanics and uh, they were much better, unsurprisingly, perhaps, on those those gap concepts. 5.3 yards per attempt, sixth best in all of football. And this is so fascinating because, like you said, th- this is not something the Patriots are going back to from years past. Everyone runs some outside zone concepts, or pretty much everyone runs some gap concepts, especially, like you said, now as McVay and Shanahan have moved towards, you know, a, a, a move away from the, the outside zone heavy scheme. But the Patriots have been doing this successfully with different offensive coordinators, with different quarterbacks, with different running, many different running backs, gosh, for 20 years now. So what do you think led... Belichick or, or the combination of Belichick or, and Patricia and Judge to make this sort of shift? I think that they're not looking at the run variant of it. I think that's just the small piece and it's trying to change the entire outlook and philosophy of the offense. And it was, I think, trying to get to as many turn the back play action shots as possible. Mm-hmm. That that is just the most efficient way to hit explosives in the league, right? Is the mm-hmm. turn the back play action is how you pr- get most of your chunk plays, particularly if you have or if you feel you're slightly undermanned at quarterback, that it's really fun to get into five out and have Joe Burrow and you can hit a ton of explosives <laughs> that way as well as be efficient, right? But the best way to do it is run turn the back play action. They did this a ton with Tom Brady. A lot mm-hmm. of the best Brady throws come off turn the back play action. It's not like it's an anomaly for them or new, but I think mm-hmm. they just felt getting to the kick step and go the wide zone variance would allow them to get more efficiently to the turn the back play action shots. But again, just completely at odds with the guy they had running the thing, is that his skill set is not being programmed to reprogram himself once he's turned his back and the you know the contours of the defensive shell mm-hmm. have changed to then be able to read out and go. And you could see with him, I mean, he's always been delayed on throws. He's always had hiccups in his delivery, but it was so pronounced. It was just so clear that he either didn't trust where he was going or it would take an extra beat, and that was just, just awful for the offense. And, and what did that lead to from Mac Jones's perspective, how, how did he change as a quarterback as the year went along? I, well, he got worse as the year went along. The numbers are pretty. <laughs> the numbers are pretty clear. There was not this kind of like oh teething issues. You know, we heard all the reports during the the preseason, right? Like this is a disaster, and they were like, no, we'll persist, we'll persist, we'll get there in the end. It mm. just went down and down. I think there was one of those overused phrases of a lack of trust, but I think you do see it in the film too, is that he just seemed hesitant on everything he did. And if you go back to Alabama, the one thing you could never accuse him of, whatever you thought of the the physical traits or the talent surrounding him and the help that gave him, he was never fearful. I mean, the guy was a gunner. It was it was funny. He was almost profiled or pigeonholed because of his body type, because of his complexion, into being this kind of rhythm-based type passer. I mean, it was bombs away at Alabama, right? And it came really quick in the rep. He would just see it and fire, whether it was an RPO or one of the deep-breaking options that they ran. In that final year, or last year, I should say, in New England, I mean, he just became so hesitant to let go of the thing. And when he did, you could see the second guessing, you could see him letting things go a beat too late, and just all the synchronicity and rhythm of the offense just completely evaporated. Yeah, it didn't feel like he had the confidence that a receiver was going to come open into his window and, and fire before that receiver was actually visibly open, at which point, if you throw that, it's then too late. You, you mentioned RPOs, and I, I am of two minds of this, because I've talked about 
how Mac Jones was great on RPOs at Alabama and how the Patriots need to implement more of them. And it feels dumb. It feels like, you know, let's make the whole plane out of the uh, out of the black box. Like it's not that simple. But from from your perspective, what did Mac Jones do at RPOs at Alabama that the Patriots have not implemented? And, And why do you think they've been so reticent to implement RPOs as a more sort of focused point of, of this Patriots offense over the past couple of seasons. That's what remains baffling to me. That I cannot figure out is these, they were doing it, as I say, in the piece before it was cool. I mean, they had these with Tom Brady and it, it's not so much just the RPO, which is a buzzword that gets chucked around, right? And it can sound like when you're two nerds, frankly, on a podcast saying everyone should run more <laughs> RPOs. I get why, you know, a coach would, you know, throw his phone out the window and say these no guys question. know nothing. It, it's the concept within the RPO. And it's using the RPO essentially as a layering device in the offense, which is what it should be in pro football and what, is what it is if you watch Shane Steichen, Sarkeesian back in Atlanta, this mm-hmm. is a ton, where it just becomes the next step along from the run. Then you get the run, then you get the RPO with the run, then you get the RPO with the pass tag, and then you layer into that your play-action shot. That's where it's different in the league to college, where they do use the RPO as their bombs-away kill shot. I'm not so sure you can do that in the NFL. Things happen too quickly. It's really complex on the back end in terms of coverage, but you can use it as the final step before you get to some of your gun play-action shots, which is where Sarkeesian found a ton of success when he was in Atlanta. Why they've been resting, I do not know. They have run precisely two vertical (laughs) RPOs since he's been in New England. Two. And then last season, they did add some in, but it's all the classic bubble screen variety. Mm -hmm. Try and hold one player, and you're really using it to leverage the run. So that's how they would use it there, and that's how it's used in high school and every single playbook in the world at this point. I think in Finland, they use the bubble tag on every single play at this point. So they will use that, but they have a complete reticence to allow him to run the most basic of vertical RPO concepts for reasons that remain unclear to me. It's like they're trying to make it harder for him to prove a point. Yeah, that's the strangest element of this, is that it's not taking something that the Patriots have never done, that Mac Jones has never done, and asking him to suddenly do it. That that would be one thing, but Mac Jones thrived with this stuff at Alabama. And and like you said, I mean, you can't just take college concepts wholesale and implement them in the pro level, but this were, were things that the Patriots were doing in years past. They did, I mean, the, the, their classic play-action concept for since since I since I was in high school, frankly, uh, well, you know, is the pull the guard, move the linebacker, throw the throw the glance, throw the slant behind it, um, or throw the seam behind it for a big gain, and that's not an RPO, but it's it's still the same concept as like a classic, you know, glance RPO. Just we're going to move a linebacker, we're going to make the linebacker wrong, and then we're going to either throw behind him or hand the ball off, and it's it's really interesting because like like you said. This is a team that has been aggressive and they have in the past sort of experimented with things and then said, mm, not for me and moved on before other teams have implemented it. I think I think the classic one is Tempo, where, you know, Belichick had Chip Kelly in. They went very fast at times with Tom Brady and then kind of abandoned it, you know, really, I think before Kelly got back in the NFL. Um, so I think Belichick is open minded, which makes this even more sort of confusing. But when it comes to Bill O'Brien now as the new Patriots offensive coordinator, how how open-minded do you think he's going to be? And how much of the concepts we saw at Alabama do you think will filter in to what the Patriots are running in 2023? That is the, the great unknown 
I think it's probably as a big picture X is a no storyline. It's certainly in the top three for me, I would say. If I'm doing my podium right now, it's probably on my top three of most interesting week one, what I want to see. I honestly have no idea um, because, you know, he's been branded, I would say, as quite a doctrinaire coach. Um, he goes to the, the, the you know, Nick Saban, you know, uh, school of of. Uh, struggling coaches and gets rehabilitated and gets spat back out into New England and so I'd not, I'm not sure you know to take the Alabama job what they are doing now as I detail in the piece is they just hand you a playbook they have so much staff turnover compared to the roster right they keep the guys on campus for three years typically that they have just decided we are implementing our own playbook and your job when you come in as OC and play caller is you can add some of your stuff in but we're going to give you, let's say, 500 concepts and you pick out the ones you want. So you can push and prod the offense in your direction, whether it's 12 personnel or for mm-hmm. O'Brien, it's going into empty, which is his favorite thing. Um, but it has to be within this, you know, the, the, the bands of, of what we already do. So I don't know how much that he's internalized and how much he wants to bring to New England. And that's what's so fascinating about Belichick bringing him back, because he always wants to stay within the family, right? That's just what he does. Mm-hmm. But did he get the O'Brien who ran the tempo-based 12 personnel warp the league system in 2011, where they were so ahead of the curve, right, back then? Does he want to return to that? Or did he bring him in to say, you are now ahead of things with Alabama of what they're doing. They're at the forefront of all offensive football right now. And so I need some of that. I need to do what Saban did when he went and got Lane Kiffin to completely rejuvenate this thing for me mm-hmm. and, and, and change the entire shape of the program. I need some of that as well. And so it's someone within my family who knows all our traditional core stuff, but can also push and prod us into these new directions, into these new lanes with some of the deep breaking option stuff I detailed with adding some more RPOs and with getting Mac Jones into a point guard role, which is where he's at his best when he can scan the whole field and just play pick and go and can sit back as the point guard. That's when he's played his best football. So I, I'm not sure the early report seems to suggest that they want to do stuff from Alabama, but that's one of those like, you know, uh, odd things where it's like they want to do Alabama stuff. I'm not quite sure if anyone's asked the follow up of exactly what the, the Alabama stuff is <laughs> that will be coming. I would be keen to know. They want to throw the ball to Devontae Smith. Is what yeah. they <laughs> this podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition and right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a jets pizza location near you again try jet signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save that's number eight s-a-v-e jets pizza better because it has to be you mentioned a couple of things I want to hit on. So I'll start with the the Alabama rehabilitation facility for uh, wayward coaches. And I think the best case scenario that comes to mind for me is someone who was there for a year, several seasons ago, in Brian Dable, who went there, he'd been with the Patriots, he'd coached under Belichick, he'd been an OC in a couple places that hadn't worked out. I don't think anybody at that time would have said he was on a head coaching track so he goes to Alabama. He's there for a year. He goes back to run the Bills' offense. It's 
it, it's the Bills offense. Like we all saw it. It worked. Um, Josh Allen turns into a superstar. Dable looks like a, a genius coach. He gets the Giants head coaching job. And I think we can poke holes maybe in the Giants performance a little bit last year. But certainly uh, the best Daniel Jones I think we've seen was the Daniel Jones we saw last year with very questionable receivers in an offense that did, you know, spread things out, that gave Jones solutions, that played to his strengths. Um, overall, I think a lot to like with that Giants offense heading into 2023. So we can get to the Patriots side of things, but just from Bill O'Brien's side of things, how likely do you think it is that Bill O'Brien changed based on his time in Alabama? Or, or you know, what do you think the most likely sort of version of Bill O'Brien is versus the one we saw the last time he was a, a pro uh, play caller in Houston? I think it's definitely a perspective shift. The Dable example is a great one because Dable went in there and actually tried to change the way they did things after Kiffin was there. He made things really more vertical. When Lane Kiffin was there, it was all jet motion, horizontal. And him and Saban agreed to make things slightly more vertical to try and get more to the Baylor style of things, mm-hmm. um, which then Sarkeesian came in, kind of blended the two together, and they just crushed the world, um, essentially. So I think it, there's no way you could not take on some of it by osmosis, I believe. Particularly if you do a second season, right? You would think, this isn't for me, and he's telling me what I have to do. I'm going I'm to leave now. There's no way that that the Belichick door wouldn't have been open at all times for him if he wanted to return to New England at some point. So, I, and just based on his career anyway i think he's got some pretty core principles which is a lot of the empty stuff um i think he does believe in running the ball on early downs which is a uh, slightly problematic but i i think that he's always been more malleable and flexible than kind of the gruff persona that he puts mm-hmm. out there is For anyway sure. i think if you look at those houston offenses they they change quite radically year over year um, so I do think he's always been more keen to push towards whatever the personnel is with him than it has always been this doctrinaire approach of we run what I run, which I think has become the caricature because of how, how terrible he was as a GM, frankly, and how he just got rid of good players to, to bring in his guys who are bad players. So I, I, I do believe that some of it will have soaked in there and it would just be silly frankly right if you if you were running any organization to say i have this guy who has this skill set i'm going to bring in someone he knows and someone who's like worked with that skill set successfully and understands it whilst or, or also knowing what i want but those two aren't allowed to discuss the conversations where that they would agree upon that would just be a strange way to operate so i have to believe that part of this coming in was to try and fuse some of the Alabama stuff with what they were already doing last season because they've been pretty steadfast that they still want to go that way and then also keep and incorporate some of maybe the the 2011 principles which probably should be of all those things tempo because they Mm -hmm. were an exceptional tempo team last season and they just never did it and they have this guy who can as I said play in that point guard role they have a coach who is happy to play in tempo who wants to stay in kind of the same steady sets all the time so why would you not as a part of that up the tempo or at least you know modulate the tempo which is where they were so successful with him was not just having these two freakazoids at tight ends that, that kind of changed the parameters of the field but mm-hmm. that they could toggle through different tempos it wasn't just always going lightning fast it was that they could up and down it based on whatever you know, defensive formation was out there. So to me, those would be pretty clear, easy things. Make the deep breaking option stuff is really tough to just teach. And you don't have as much time as you do in college with these guys, right? You don't have someone learning as an understudy for two years. You just have Devonte Parker and you tell him to go do that. It's <laughs> tough to do if you don't have Cooper Cup and Robert Woods as Sean McVay did. So that stuff might be more difficult, might be more of a slow burn, but I certainly think tempo and the empty stuff that he does anyway are the things that will leak over. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and certainly I think the key point you brought up about tempo is just you control it. You're not being forced to play fast by law. If you do go no huddle on a drive, you don't have to do it on the next drive. You can control the tempo to whatever you like. You can give your guys a rest when you want. You can speed up when you want if you have a defensive look you like. Um, such a key component because I think there was so much criticism, especially of Chip when, when Chip came into the league. There was so much, you know, oh, they're playing too fast. And, and maybe sometimes they did, but certainly they had the ability to control when they wanted to play fast. And that would be true for the Patriots as well. You mentioned the empty stuff with O'Brien. And I want to just get some perspective on that because, you know, I, I think from a layman's perspective, you can understand why going empty sometimes would, would be helpful, but you also might get your quarterback killed. So <laughs> from, from your perspective, what impact does going empty have when it comes to giving defense's problem. Why, why would O'Brien be so comfortable and so aggressive in going to empty sets? So his philosophy is about matchup ball, right? If you go five out, you can just always find a matchup that somewhere on the field, there'll be a matchup you like. And then he adds optionality into those routes that you can just pick the matchup you want or you can do it with a hand signal pre-snap. That's kind of where he falls on the thing. And if you look at the teams he's had, he's always had a mismatch piece somewhere. Yes. Whether this Patriots offense has that piece is is questionable and suspect but the more the big picture perspective beyond just o'brien himself is that in this time of movement movement on the back end with the two deep to rotate defenses that are all across the league now with the movement up front with zone pressures and blitzes and the big trend at the moment is the single mugger right is that you play with four down but you have a single mugger so that you can set the protection for the offense before you attack it that you force everyone to be static the defense has to kind of reveal its hand before and because it's just harder to rotate when you're spread against five out there is usually some kind of pretty clear check against empty for a, a, a defense and you can advance scout that or you and that usually comes around when you motion to empty which is how most teams are getting to it these days outside of the bengals so you can get a pretty clear understanding of what you're going to see because it's probably going to be one of two concepts you limit the blitz menu you limit the coverage and rotation menu on the back end and so now you're just saying can we pick you apart almost one-on-one my quarterback versus your coverage shell that's kind of the 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 more general broad strokes and for O'Brien I mean he's always been in the 12 to 15 percent realm with empty even when it wasn't cool Bill even when people were in the the threes and fours he was in the 15s and the 12s so the whole league now has kind of shifted on mass to 10 11 12 percent at the top end with the Eagles and whatnot so I think he will comfortably sit once again in that 15 percent range but do you think without the DeAndre Hopkins or even the Brandon Cooks that he's had in years past, do you think the Patriots will be capable of thriving out of empty sets if they do use it at that sort of rate in 2023? I think so, because I think if you can blend it with, you know, what you either come down to is a matchup ball style where we have one-on-ones across the board and we like our ones, but you can still do the Sean McVay style, right? Where you're getting all the benefits of condensed looks. It's just an empty backfield right and you can win through play design those are kind of the two ways right you win through the play design it springs someone open or you just have a stud which is what football is all about and you throw it to the the best player on the field and he goes and wins so i think there's a way where they can balance between the two and then they can motion and move to kind of adjust and break matchups that is the one thing with him where no matter what you they're just going to do that now whether it works or not we will see and how much of it we'll see will be dependent on the success but there is no doubt that they will be an empty heavy offense and again Mm -hmm. 
Mac Jones has thrived there. Um, yeah, another thing where when you run through the film or you run through the data, it's another tick where it's like RPOs, tempo, empty. He thrives at these. They do none of them. So it's a pretty easy fix when you're the new guy in the building to say, let's do some of those where we know this guy has had success. So from the sort of broader perspective about young quarterbacks, let's expand a little bit past the Patriots and expand past Mac Jones's specific situation. Do you feel like it is the bare minimum to have more easy solutions for these young quarterbacks, whether it be, you know, more stuff out of the pockets, they have half field reads or uh, more play action. So throwing lanes are more likely to come open or more RPO. So it, you can, you know, not grip it and rip it to, to keep things simple, but just, you know, have more defined reads uh, that are going to be quicker. Like, like, do you feel as if teams should be having as much of this as possible just to make their young quarterback's life easier? Or do you lean towards maybe more of how it seems like the Patriots are approaching it, where they're sort of trying maybe to some extent to make things harder to help develop their young quarterback? Well, based on how it's gone for them, I would lean into let's make things easier. That, that, <laughs> that, that sounds more fun. Um, I, it's one of those where I, I'm not someone who's, who's, you know, sits there and says RPO is everything. It really depends to me on where the player played in school you know maybe they transferred they played in multiple systems like i look at will levis and say the best approach for him is some kind of fusion between what the eagles have done and then maybe even some more of the the sean payton things are finding things and concepts the guy has already repped a ton and that you know he's comfortable in and bringing as many of those concepts to your playbook as possible to meet them halfway and so the, the way of making things easy I, I don't necessarily think i do think these things go cyclically that we can get caught up from the outside in the motion rates and i always make the joke that motion equals good to people usually online whereas they never ask you know beyond the raw percentage they never ask what was the point of the motion was there a necessary component to have the motion in the offense or in that particular concept or design so it, to me it's just about finding out where is the person most comfortable and then are there certain situations where we have to make them uncomfortable to get them to develop? That's true. So it, it's more about what have they done before? Where do we think they can excel? And for Mac Jones, I mean, he is already an outstanding deep ball thrower when given the chance. And he's done this with really incomplete receiver groups. I mean, you go back to last season and they just could not uncover from man coverage at all. So he's throwing into the tiniest of windows down the field and was a good deep ball thrower the, in his rookie season, was a better deep ball thrower last season. So I, I do think there are there are times when you can, to use that phrase you used of the, the easy button, yeah, you should try and make things as comfortable as possible and to try and slowly progress the player. I, I'm not necessarily someone who believes in, hey, let's just throw them in the deep end and give them Drew Brees' playbook and then expect them to be Drew Brees in year, year one. That, that makes no sense to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, it is a... There's always a balance, I think, is maybe the way to put it, right? Like, you, you don't want to dumb down the offense entirely, but you want your quarterback to not have the year Mac Jones had last year where he was visibly furious at <laughs> the also, world. I also think, Bill, that it, it's about how idiosyncratic the offense they came from too, right? Is that if it's just a, you know, hit the back foot, get the ball out offense, well, mm -hmm. then you can basically build in any concept you want. If that's what, you know, you don't have to bring their specific concepts, but he was playing in a fairly idiosyncratic offense at Alabama. So mm -hmm. to not embrace even a portion of it, you know, two vertical RPOs his entire career, okay, when he was the best RPO thrower in football, essentially. 
that is just strange. It's just a peculiar way to, to run any kind of organization. Well, that, that leads me to back to the Patriots and back to Bill Belichick. And I guess it's hard to say, of course, because we're not in the building, but Bill Belichick is one of the smartest coaches who's ever lived, maybe the smartest coach who has ever lived, and one of the most brilliant defensive coaches who has ever lived. And his defense is not exactly antiquated. It's not exactly something from 10 or 20 years ago. It's a modern, aggressive, very successful defense and continues to be successful even as new players come into the system year after year. Do you feel like you're surprised that someone who is so knowledgeable about the defensive side of the ball, to whatever extent he was involved with the offense last year, was willing to deliver an offense or comfortable delivering an offense that was so antiquated or or not not antiquated is the wrong way to put it, but so behind the times by a few years or so, you know, so at odds with where offenses around the NFL were going. That that to me is the funniest point because if they just stuck to what they did the year before then there would have been a, a strong narrative, a word that the coaches hate, of, look, he's maybe figured this thing out. And they would have just stood pat. That he would have got credit for it evolving again when he would not have done, I think. Because they were so gap-oriented the year before. It was a lot of turn-the-back play action, but based off, off pulling guards and whatnot, rather than getting the quarterback to move and play on the move. So it is a really, really odd one. I'm not surprised at all that he, he kept things in-house. You know, that's what he wants to do. But it, it does smack of where Saban was at, right? When it felt like the dynasty might be falling and it, it looked like... Like they were playing dinosaur football against everyone else and he went completely out the family to go and get a guy who you know most of the time he wanted to strangle and link kiffin and was like that we are not sympath to go at all but i need you and i i'm surprised he didn't look at his friend and say he got a real fresh injection of talent and chaos frankly into kind of my stuffy building i thought that i mean that's what he went for with Matt Patricia, right? Is he? Mm-hmm. And there was a world where he, you know, he could have done a Daryl Morey thing and said, "I have, we have a great inefficiency in this sport. We have the coaches coaching the wrong spots, right? Is that I'm going to go and get a special teams coach to do quarterback, which makes no sense. But I'll go and get someone with a defensive mindset who might know how best to attack modern defenses. That's mm-hmm. not that off the wall. There's a world in which that is like Moneyball 2.0, mm-hmm. and right. we've got a great book about it from Michael Lewis in 10 years, right? There is a world where that makes some sense, but I, I think not getting a real threat. Like he could have just gone and got Bobby Slowick last season. He could have said, I'm going to pay through the moon to go and give my my touch to, to him and get him a head coaching job the year after. That's what he could have done if he wanted to move to the Shanahan wide zone style world. He could have done that. That's the part that's peculiar to me. And then bringing Bill O'Brien does feel like the halfway house of I'm comfortable with him. He knows me. I know him well, but he might have some fresh ideas he can inject into this thing. This is so funny because the other coach who I think most famously took a coach on one side of the ball, moved them to the opposite side is another Hall of Fame coach in Andy Reid, who uh, took Juan Castillo, who was his offensive line coach and installed him as defensive coordinator and it, it didn't get him fired directly, but certainly did not help Andy Reid's chances of thriving. He had been an offensive line coach his entire career, spent two years as the defensive coordinator, went back and has been an offensive coach ever since. Um, Andy Reid, pretty good coach. Bill Belichick, yeah. 
pretty, pretty good. good coach. It does feel I, like overthinking themselves a little bit. And Belichick, yeah. to be fair to him, has always been of this belief that you're a global coach, right? That there shouldn't be that much specialization, that you should have a an overall understanding of everything. And we're going, you're a game planner. So the skill set for game planning, whether you've coached all the positions before, should be slightly different than if I'm asking you to figure out the footwork and the timing of the concept necessarily. That was, I think, what he was thinking. It was just a, a giant whiff and just a, a weird experiment. And you read, when you read interviews with Kyle Shanahan, he, you know, the thing you hear repeatedly is to be the best offensive coach, you have to understand defenses and understand how to break defenses. So, if anyone understands the weakness in defense, you'd figure it's Bill Belichick. But it, it, it's such a such a fascinating situation, and this is going to be an impossible question. So, I if you don't have an answer, I understand. But let's say it is February of 2023. Bill Belichick calls you up, Ollie. Listen, I screwed up. I hired Matt Patricia. I hired Joe Judge as my offensive coordinator or my, my offensive coaches. It did not work. I need you to fix this for me. Who are you telling Bill Belichick he should hire as his offensive coordinator if he wanted to go in the Lane Kiffin direction and just shake things up and bring in someone totally different to fix what was wrong with the Patriots on the offensive side of the ball? This is not totally different, but it would be a big swing. I think that what Chip Kelly is doing at UCLA right now is at the vanguard of football. I don't think he has the players but the the power spread that we've moved into with, you know, Steichen and Hertz and what we'll see with Anthony Richardson of mm-hmm. trying to get to as many spread concepts, trying to get to as many heavy run concepts from spread sets and then mm-hmm. trying to corrupt the box count essentially by being able to have a diverse run game from empty, which is what made the Eagles so impossible to stop last year while also having an absolute super duper star on the outside. So you could right. never leave him one on one. That kind of general model, if you look at what UCLA is doing, I mean, they probably have, I would say, seven to eight to nine, a good Bill Simmons way of doing it, right? You give a peculiar number, seven, eight, nine of the 13 or 14 most innovative play designs from last season and all really conducive to pro football. It's not spread out Mike Leach true spread option stuff it is gap scheme oriented unbalanced line heavy sets but with spread principles within them and that's where the league is is that's what is going on right now in the league to try and combat what Fangio has done is bouncing from that from those heavy sets to can we then from 12 from 13 like Shane Waldron split out into empty and attack that way as well and do what Kyle Shanahan can do in terms of completely messing around with uh, formations to dictate matchups. So I think if Chip had gone at UCLA and if Chip goes at UCLA next year, the first phone call I'll be making if I was a coach anywhere would be to try and get that guy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. And it feels like, you know, we're seeing the league as a whole go back to what worked for the Patriots, at least personnel-wise, a decade ago, where that was Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. We saw the Chiefs last year when they traded Tyreek Hill, uh, I think almost double their uh, two and three tight end usage. Then that helped them win a Super Bowl, helped them deal with the uh, you know two deep looks they were facing. We saw the Bills this offseason go out and, and sign Damian Harris. They draft Dalton Kincaid, who's not exactly uh, a blocker, but at least is a tight end in name. Um, they're going to use more 12 personnel. It kind of feels like that is a solution the league is adopting. And, and I think that's... It's interesting because the Patriots did try this personnel-wise a couple of years ago. They went out and signed Hunter Henry and John O. Smith, the big deals, in free agency. And it didn't work. I mean, Hunter Henry was fine. John o. Smith didn't really get to run any routes. He's been blocking most of the past two years. He was then basically salary-dumped to the Falcons. 
Mike Gesicki comes in. Mike Gesicki is not a tight end. He just is listed at tight end. They do have Anthony Ferkser, but I, I, I'm intrigued to see how O'Brien plays this personnel grouping for the Patriots. We know Roger Stevenson is going to be the primary back. It feels like everything else is kind of up for grabs and up in the air. And it is a... I, I wonder what like the best five-man grouping of these playmakers is going to be, given what O'Brien's going to want to run. Hey, guys. So we lost Ali. Unfortunately, he had some tech trouble with his Wi-Fi. We were just wrapping up, though. Um, really loved the conversation we had talking about the Mac Jones issues last year, the Patriots' offensive sort of schematic issues. And I think there's a lot to learn from the Patriots for opposing teams in terms of just how you structure an offense for your young quarterback, the solutions you give them, the personnel you give them, and and how you think about your sort of infrastructure from the coaching staff down. So really recommend you check that out. Ali published that in his newsletter, The Read Optional. You can find that at The Read Optional on Twitter or go to readoptional.substack.com. Ali is on Twitter as well, at Ali Connolly. He writes for The Guardian, does great stuff there during the season. Um, Definitely recommend checking out Ollie's work. Uh, This was a really, really good piece, though, and really recommend you give this a read as a supplement to what we talked about today. So hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Sorry about the uh, abrupt end. Just had some tech trouble. But we have next week off. I am traveling uh, to Europe. It'll be my birthday. I'm taking a week off. So I Hope you guys enjoy the 4th, have some time off, and then we'll be back next week, uh, the week of the 10th, back with more football, probably previewing the season. I think we're going to start getting to that here on the Bill Barnwell Show. So thanks so much for listening and more in a couple of weeks.